Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Interesting for us, in our journey, uh, for all of us, while we're on our journey, there's going to be those seasons and those times where, man, we're just in the crucible, right? Where God puts us into the fire, we're in the crucible. And man, you know what? It's a good place. It's a painful place, but it's a good place. Because what, what makes David such a great king futuristically? We're not there today yet, right? We're just, we're watching the process play out right now. But eventually, we see him rise to be a really great, usable king. Now, he had a lot of imperfections, didn't he? But can you imagine if he hadn't gone through these times, the type of imperfections he might have had? You know, he had plenty of imperfections, right? But he had less than he might have had otherwise. It's like us. God takes us through these times, and we repel this. We do everything we can to insulate ourselves against getting into these kind of spots because it's horrible sometimes when you're in it. You feel very alone in that. It's, 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 it's just difficult time. But man, Saul sought him every day while he's in the place of refining, Ziph, where the smelters are. Notice this next little coupling of words, but God. Man, I circle it. When I get to it, I draw a little box around it with one of my pens. You know, whenever I see the but God, because they are so many and so significant in the scriptures. There's this and this and this situation, that circumstance, but God. You know, isn't that true for our lives? This could be going on, that could be, but God. Look at what it says after that. Did not deliver him into his hand. God watched out over David. Even though he was in a place of difficulty in the sense he's in a place where he's in the fire, he's kind of getting refined, he's out in hiding, kind of trying to wait and see what's going to happen with things. But God intervenes and looks out after him. What are some of the things that happen as they scrape this dross off, they scrape it off and they scrape it off. And there was one specific way that they knew when they were done. There's one thing that they knew when they were done and, and this was fully refined is when they would go like this, they would bend over and they would look down into this, this hot melted ore and they'd look down into it after they had scraped it a few times and pulled the stuff off. They'd look down in and then they'd see a perfect reflection of themselves. And it's done. You see, that's what God's doing in you. That's what God's doing in me. He's heating it up and heating it up and heating it up. Get those impurities out of there. That's just trash. Get rid of it. You know, keep it fired up. Keep it fired up. Keep it fired up. Impurity comes off. That's what it sounds like when you scrape the impurities off. And you scrape it off until you get to that spot where they can bend over and just kind of look over. And then, see, this is what Jesus is doing with you and doing with me. This is why it's so important not to resist it. It's kind of just embracing the reality that, hey, if I'm in the refining pot, if I'm in the, in the, in the smelter's hand for a while, so be it. 
You know, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. We sing that song, Refiner's Fire. We sing that song, but man, when we're in it, it's tough. It's difficult, and I know it. But that's part of the fellowship of suffering sometimes that we experience this side of eternity as God's shaping and molding and making us into who he wants us to be. Oh, may we not resist. Don't we want to have the Lord be able to look over and be able to see the reflection of his character and his person within each of our lives? That's really the desire. And I think that's all God's doing in the wilderness of Ziph. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then Jonathan, in verse 16, Saul's son arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. What a true friend. If you notice, if you go over and look at, uh, uh, if, if your Bible does this, if you go over and look at sometimes where it says it'll have a number, like a one or a two or a three, you know, have, that's going to be the only one marked out in this particular verse. So it's number one, and you look in your margin notes, and you can see what, what, what is another word that maybe they use in the middle of your Bible. Well, mine's in the middle. Maybe yours is off to the side. But you can see what it says there. It says, encouraged him. So not only was it just a, a strengthening, but it, the strengthening came from an encouragement to him. You know, this is, this is good. I think this is what we find when we talk to one another like this, plainly and openly, that, hey, the refiner's fire is difficult, but it's good. That's a word of encouragement, isn't it? Because you realize, man, no, I belong to the Lord, and I want to reflect his glory and his goodness, and no better way than to scrape the dross off, get the impurities out of there, and there's plenty. Some of us have been in the refiner's hand for a long time. We may not be out till we get to the other side. That may be a lot of us, but so be it. You know, so be it. It's good. It's, it's a worthwhile process. It's a good thing that the Lord's doing. Man, Jonathan comes out to strengthen his friend. And it wasn't just to encourage him and, hey, stay with it. This is a good campaign you're doing. You know what I mean? It's like, no, nah, that's not what he's encouraging him in. Look what he's encouraging him. He's encouraging him in God. That's important, isn't it? You know, there's encouragement that's just generic and general. And then there's the powerful encouragement that comes from the heart that's with the Lord and saying, man, stay with it. This is a good work. This is worth pursuing. Eternity weighs in the balance for those that we might contact. It's important. It's significant. It matters. That, that soul that you spared, not you, but God working through you, but that soul that was spared or that, that kid that got help because you pointed him in the right direction, Get yourself out of the way and let Jesus do something. Please. You, God doesn't need any of us, but he chooses to partner with us. What an opportunity. But man, if we got our speak in there all the time, oh, well, yeah, everything's going to work out. All things work together for good. Finish it, finish it, finish it. You're lying to him if that's all you say. I'm offended. You're lying to him. All things don't work together for good for everybody around us. That's not the truth. All things work together for good. The verse goes on. For those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. So that means that all things work together for good for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Those who are his. Those who are God's kids by birthright because we've been born again of the Spirit. Man, that is who all things work together for good. That, that, that's who that's for. That's not for everybody. That's not for our friends that don't know God. 
That's, no matter how lovely they are, I, that's fine. That's not for our siblings who don't know God. That's not for our aunts or uncles or our spouses or anybody else who don't know God. That is for those who are his. And man, that is a powerful word because then you can say, don't you want this, even this to work out for good? God's knocking on your heart. He's trying to get your attention. I know this is a difficult season. You see how God can use that as an opportunity for his kingdom. We don't always know, but but to go out and to strengthen. So isn't that really a word from God then? To strengthen someone in the Lord? Now with believers, certainly we can do that with one another. Good words from the heart of God, absolutely. But to a non-believer, what can we tell them? The best thing we can tell them is their desperate need for Jesus Christ, right? Because that's the only thing that's really gonna help. All this other stuff is a runny nose. They got a serious sinus infection that they need antibiotics. The runny nose isn't gonna go away without the antibiotics. Symptom, issue. We gotta deal with what the issue is, not the symptom. This is our world today. All of our systems out there are dealing with the symptom and not the issue. We want to go right for the heart of the matter, the pulse of what's really happening, and that's not knowing God. Knowing God changes everything else, changes the whole course of our lives, doesn't it? We know it. That's why we're here. That's why we get together, because God's changed the course of our lives. He strengthened his hand in God. Man, what a great thing. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. Look at what he goes on and says. These are the words of encouragement that he's sharing. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Part of this ends up being factual. Part of this isn't in his control. Part of this he's saying, but he's saying it from his own desire, but it was nothing that God said. God had anointed David king. That was factual. But as far as who was going to be right next to him, that was not stated, was it? That's his desire. That's his intent. And that's fine that he stated that, right? His desire and intent being stated, there's nothing wrong with that. But that wasn't a thus saith the Lord statement. We've got to distinguish a little bit while we're going through this. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. My dad knows my heart, and my dad knows that you're supposed to be king. That's what he's saying. He goes, Dad knows what's, what's going on. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Again, remember, they'd take an animal, they'd slice it in two, and they would go between it, and they'd speak their words of agreement between one another. They would cut covenant, and they would stand between the halves, if you're willing, And they would stand there and they would speak their words of agreement one to another. And it was a powerful statement of, hey, we're deadly serious about the words we're exchanging and our commitment to one another. That's what it meant to cut covenant and that's what they were doing in this situation. Powerful. I I, I like this stuff. I like the word picture that it, it develops. This is the last time uh, for the two of them to, to be together like this. Ultimately, we watch the, the story play out and what happens with Jonathan. But this is the last time, pretty radical. Now, I just want to share this with you just for a moment. 
Last words are an important thing, I think. And we don't always know when they're going to happen, do we? Last words, we don't always know when that's going to happen. Sometimes we get the joyous opportunity to exchange last words with a loved one, with a close friend, with a, someone or a comrade or, or whatever it might be, a fellow warrior in a situation, maybe who knows what, but we, we may have an opportunity to knowingly be able to exchange last words. But sometimes we don't always know. And these guys, obviously Jonathan doesn't know that, does he? Jonathan does not know that. Jonathan's intent is to be right next to his friend and to serve and work with his friend. But man, that's in the hand of God, and, and, and he, but he doesn't know that. But what great last words, wasn't that? It's important to think about that sometimes, because sometimes we're just too harsh, and we leave things said that shouldn't have been just left open like that. It should be really a little more loving, a little more clear. And I, I, isn't that cool? I think that's so neat. You don't always know when those last words are, but, you know, I've had opportunity to exchange last words with, with loved ones and so on. And, and I'm thankful to my Heavenly Father and to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that I had those opportunities. It doesn't always go that way. But I was able and, and able to cognizantly exchange last words. And it's difficult. It's, 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 it's painful at the time. But to be able to say hard things, you know, loving things that are hard to say, to be able to say those things is important. And, and I think we, we don't always know when that's going to happen. Here, Jonathan doesn't know that, but don't you think David's always going to reflect back on, man, we took covenant together. We, we cut covenant and we, we had exchanged good words. Husbands, wives, it's a good thought. You know, friends, that's a good thought. Leave things to the best of your ability in really good terms at all times. Isn't that just better? Because life is fragile, brothers and sisters. Life is a fragile thing, man. It, it changes in a blink. And isn't it better to just walk? It's so liberating. But man, if you're a snappy, harsh person, and people are just going to, it just, it, and you leave somebody with that, and then something horrible happens, that's, that's, that's a bummer, man. I don't wish that, for, I should don't wish that for myself anyway, you know. I really try and be conscious of it, you know. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Verse 19, let's get to the Ziphites. That's really what's going on. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah saying, Is David not hiding with us in strongholds in the woods? in the hills of Achilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. So these guys decide, hey, look at man. Saul, we can really help you out with this situation. Notice verse 21, what Saul's response is. Then Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Man, I've been just wronged here. Thank you for helping me out. You know, this is what I wrote in my notes was, was this is just, it's this God speak stuff. It's uh, Christianese, common term today, more Christianese. But he's talking the talk, but he's not walking with God. 
He's using all the, yeah, man, praise God, thanks so much, you know. And really, it's just, there goes the dagger, you know. I mean, he's just, it's a bummer, but that's how, how far gone he is. He's chasing to kill God's anointed. Think about that. Yikes. I mean, this is a horrible scenario, all because he is just messed up in the head. He's not thinking right. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. That's what I've heard. I don't know. I just don't really know him, but he's pretty crafty. Uh, See, therefore, it's his son-in-law, of course. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty. And I will go with you, and it shall be, if he is in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain of the south of Jishimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon, And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on the side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his his men to take them. So they got in this spot where there's this mountain range, basically, and they they really can't get out very easily at all. There's these mountains on, on this one side of them, and, and then to get out, they've got to go through this draw, but it's where all of Saul's guys are now. So they're, they're basically hemmed in. They're, and, and now Saul's coming through and going to start encircling around and ultimately going to trap him. That, that's, that's the situation. Basically, it's a huge tactical error as far as warfare aspect goes. He's in a bad spot. He is, David, seemingly trapped at this point absolutely in a horrible situation. And then, verse 27, but a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. All of a sudden, God has moved on the Philistines to attack somewhere else, to pull Saul away from that situation to rush out over here and thusly then protecting David. Who's in control? You know, when you look at that, you think, Saul, he's the you know, mighty guy, he's the king. David's the anointed king, but he's on the run. He's kind of hemmed in now. It looks like it's going to go bad. He's trapped. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the Rock of Escape or the Rock of Protection. And David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds of Engedi. A pleasant place. That's not the meaning of it. It's just a pleasant place. Um, in our, just our thoughts to kind of wrap up some things this evening on, on this. Is God able to deliver you? Is God able to deliver me? Do I trust God and his ability to deliver, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation? I really think that 
God's hand being on David's life, David being willing to do what God wants him to do, we've seen in circumstance, and we will see more circumstances with David, he's not a perfect guy. We know that. But his heart is after God. He wants to pursue. He's in pursuit of the things of God. He wants to do good things in the Lord. And he's willing to, to do things as God leads and, and asks him and, and points him in that direction. He gets in a spot where he's trapped and stuck, and yet God is bigger than any of that circumstance that, and, and the trappings that he's in. God's bigger than any of that, and all of a sudden, God moves this evil group, you know, the Philistines, moves on them to attack this, which pulls Saul away, and David's able to go free again. God knows how to deliver. It's a real, real important concept for you and for me. Now, does God always deliver the way we would like him to deliver? Sometimes I've found that God carries us through a situation, and that's our deliverance. We want to be delivered from a situation most of the time because we don't want to go into the crucible situation, you know, where we get all of a sudden the dross has got to come out, and that's painful, the, you know, the heat goes on, and, you know. So we try to avoid that type of thing, and yet God's wanting to do that thing to really, really continue to set you free from yourself, from myself from our own ambitions that are fleshy and, and, and out of line. God, God's really freeing us from the dross by putting us into that spot. And we wiggle and squirm and let me go, let me go, let me go, you know, kind of a thing. And the idea here is the deliverance of God that as David is trusting in the Lord, not in himself, he wasn't, I'm telling you, that he was not going to fight his way out of this situation, you know, in that sense, not in the natural and God brought a wonderful, awesome deliverance. You see, when we initially gave our lives to the Lord, and many of us know subsequently, God brings deliverance into our lives. There's times where we give our lives to the Lord, and all this stuff that's there, this immediate dross is just kind of taken away, and God's liberated us, and we're, we're new people in Jesus Christ. But is that the stopping point? See, I don't think, though, that's the point of beginning when God's really going to just start this new journey that we're walking with the Lord. And it's an ongoing process. The problem is we get comfortable. And so when we get comfortable, we don't, we don't want to get rocked too hard. We, 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 we kind of go back, oh, I, thanks God, I, I can take care of this one. I can deal with that. And now we're not allowing for a deliverance. We're not allowing for God to move. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. I know as God's word goes out, it accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. And I know that sometimes we hear a message like today's message and the Lord really starts to tug on our hearts. And if God's tugging on your heart and you've not been walking with the Lord and you want to get close with the Lord or you want to start a new life with Jesus, it's just a simple prayer away. You know, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, without the Lord, we're already perishing. We're perishing in our sin. We need a Savior. We need help. And, you know, I, I know you know that. I know you're hearing that. I know you're sensing that. And this is your opportunity to call out to the Lord and ask him to be your personal Lord and Savior. So I'm not talking about 
being religious, I'm talking about having a relationship, getting to know someone by introduction. And so this is an introduction. I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus, and he wants to make himself real to you. He loves you. He loves this world, and he loves you personally. He knows how many hairs you have on your head or how few you have. He knows what color they are. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows how tall you are. He knows everything about you. The Bible says that he loves you with a perfect love. And he wants you to believe on him and have everlasting life that you can spend all eternity with him. If you would, just pray this simple prayer of faith with me. Jesus, I want to open up my heart to you. Lord, I want to have everlasting life. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I humble myself before you, Lord. I know I need you. I know that I've fallen short and sinned in many ways in many areas of my life. And so I ask that you would just come in and make my life new. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for everlasting life that now is mine in you. I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might walk with you and have life abundant. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Come, Lord Jesus, come.